Let me ask you to turn in your Bibles to John chapter 1. And if you uh, don't have uh, your Bible with you, there are those in the pew, and you can find the Scripture reading on page 886. We would, we'd encourage you to, to follow along. And while you're uh, turning to that, I, w- I did want to mention that Dal and Beth have a uh, display out here across from the gathering place, and they will be out there following the service, so if you'd like to uh, speak to them, I know they'd love to have the opportunity to, to greet you. We're going to read a portion of the scripture that uh, we are going to look at today. We're going to pick up with verse uh, 35. The next day, again, John was standing with two of his disciples, and he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, Behold the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, What are you seeking? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, Come and you will see. So they came and saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day. And it was about the tenth hour. One of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which means Christ. He he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon The son of John, you shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's bow together. Father, as we read this account, we would ask that you would uh, open it up to us, that you would show us why why you saw fit to uh, preserve it for us and millions of others down through the centuries. Would you cause your spirit to speak to our hearts, to open them, open them to you? And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If uh, you ever have the opportunity to visit the Billy Graham Library in Charlotte, North Carolina, I highly recommend it. Now, I got to tell you that uh, Connie and I were killing some time uh, at one point, we were picking somebody up from the airport, and uh, the Billy Graham Library is not far from there, and so we decided to go there, and uh, I love Billy Graham. 
He is, he is one of my heroes of the faith. But I wasn't looking forward to going through his library. I mean, the Billy Graham library, what's he got? Like one Bible, and that's about it? I mean, what, are, what, what do you do at the Billy Graham library? And uh, so I, I probably didn't have a great attitude uh, about it. And then you go in, and I just want to warn you about this because you're going to question uh, my credibility, let's put it that way, if you, if you go there and you say, he told us to come to this. Because uh, the, at the very beginning, for the orientation, before you go into the library part, uh, you sit down and, and there's this like faux barn look kind of thing. Uh, because he was a farm boy. And uh, you're sitting there with the others that are getting ready to go through the library. And uh, you're introduced to what you're going to see by a talking cow. Okay? <laughs> and I thought to myself, this is going to be torture. This is just... <laughs> How do I get out of here? Well, uh, it turns out that a library isn't just a thing with books. Uh, in fact, you go through it from room to room, and uh, there is memorabilia, there are film clips, there is the story of uh, his amazing ministry, and I was moved in room after room to see how God had used him. Now, I want you to put that on the side burner because I'm going to tell you, I'm going to share something later on uh, about uh, that walk through the Billy Graham Library. But I want us to look at, at this passage. Uh, this is our, our focus. And, and I want us to, to look at, uh, here we are in the first days of Jesus' ministry, and the calling of these first disciples. And uh, we don't have the, you know, this doesn't give the record of the calling of all the disciples. You can piece that together through with the other Gospels. Uh, but we see some of them. And, and I want us to start by noticing something that seems so basic and that is that God ordinarily uses people as instruments to advance his kingdom. You say, well, so, yeah. Well, here's the thing. God didn't need to use people. Why would he bother using people? People are undependable. People sin. What in the world was he thinking? And yet, ordinarily, he chooses to use people. Look at verse 35. So the next day, again, John was standing there with two of his disciples. <clears throat> he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, Behold the Lamb of God. Now, I want you to notice something here. I want you to notice what John 
didn't say, did not say uh, in, in this case. Uh, he didn't say, look guys, I know you're my followers, you've been, you've been very faithful, uh, I know we're very close, but here's the one that I want you to follow from now on. And them, them responding with something like, oh no, John, we're, we're with you. We want to support your ministry. We, we want to keep following you. And then John saying, no, no, really, you know, there, there, there wasn't that. Instead, look at what happens. He just said, again, behold the Lamb of God. And the two disciples immediately followed Jesus. Now, that tells me and confirms what kind of ministry John the Witness had with them. Evidently, all along, they knew that this was about the Messiah. My ministry is not about me. You're not my followers. I'm just here to prepare the way. And when the Lamb of God comes, he's the one that we're all going to follow. And so we see the nature of his ministry. The end game was not himself, but it was always about Jesus. Now look at another one that he sees fit to use. Verse 40. One of the two uh, who heard John speak and uh, followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which means the Christ. He brought him to Jesus. Then down in verse 44. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael. And said to him, we have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael said to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, come and see. So in each of these cases, it, it was not God speaking to them uh, directly from a cloud or a a, a pillar or from a burning bush or anything nearly that dramatic. But it was another person who they knew and who they trusted that led them to Jesus. That's how he usually likes to work. Now, let's take a look at, at, at the kind of people God loves to call. Uh, we, we'll just look at each of these very briefly. The first one, Andrew. Uh, uh, verse 40, one of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. Now, uh, we, we don't know a lot about him. He was uh, Peter's brother. Probably spent a, a good part of his life, and we're kind of having a sanctified imagination here, probably, but I think we could probably all agree that he, he, 
in all likelihood spent a good part of his life overshadowed by Peter. Can't you just kind of picture that? If Peter's your brother, Peter is the one that is, is going to be uh, getting the attention. But he was uh, the one that brought Peter to meet the Messiah. He was the one later, we'll see, that called Jesus' attention, the little boy with five loaves and two fish before feeding the 5,000. And according to tradition, this isn't in Scripture, Andrew was martyred at Petre by crucifixion on an X, on an X-shaped cross. And uh, that's why you will see the, the St. Andrew's flag is an X. Uh, you can see it along the road here. I love that his name is in our church's name. In fact, when, when they were talking to me about coming here, I said, oh, St. Andrew's Presbyterian. I, I love that, that Andrew's is in there. And then I, I, they brought me over here one time just to look around, and I said, oh, this is awesome. There's a road named after our church, too. <laughs> Well, we, we, we can still claim Andrew because uh, he was one who went and brought. Just an average guy, probably one in the background, but he went and got his brother. And then we see in verse uh, 41, Simon Peter, he found his own brother. Simon said to him, we found the Messiah. He brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, you're Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. So we have Peter, the, the big fisherman. We'll talk about how God used him as a leader in the early church. But when you think of the Gospels, we can't help but to remember Peter is the spokesman for the group. Sometimes the one who's always the first to speak will be the first to put... Uh, his foot in his mouth, mouth, too. Peter was a master of that. The first apostle, the first to be called, first among the apostles, always listed first in every list of the 12 apostles. First to recognize Jesus as Messiah, the first apostle to witness the resurrection, the first to proclaim salvation to the Gentiles, and the first to inspire the writing of the gospel, which is Mark. There's Peter. And then there's Philip, verse 43. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now, Philip was from Bethsaida. We read that all this just a moment ago. What do we know about him? Well, one thing we want to clarify, this is not the same Philip as we read about in Acts the deacon, the, the evangelist uh, with the Ethiopian. This was a different Philip. He was from the same town as Andrew and Peter and therefore in all probability uh, uh, known by them. But we don't know much else. The main thing we see is he brings another future apostle to Jesus, and that's Nathaniel. Nathaniel, verse 45, Nathaniel said to him, 
Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, Come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said of him, Behold an Israelite indeed in whom there's no deceit. Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? Jesus answered him, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you're the Son of God. You're the King of Israel. So here's what I want you to notice about what we see here. Even though Jesus calls him an Israelite in whom there's no deceit, almost immediately we see his personal prejudice come out. When Philip said Jesus was from Nazareth, Nathaniel lumped Jesus in with his caricature, his prejudice against people who were from there. His view of Nazareth and Galilee is that they had produced what one commentator called hot-headed fanatics and bogus Christs. That's what came out of Nazareth. Notice how Philip handles that. Philip didn't even try to answer it when he said, can anything good come out of there? He just said, come and see. And you know, I, I, think, I think we can take a lesson from that too. That's not the main point of this. But I think we can take a lesson that that's a great way to invite people who may think they know what church is all about, who may think, you know, may have had a bad experience with church, who may think they know all about Christ and they don't want any part of that. So what we can always say is, come and see. Come take a look. Come with me. And let's see. So we have Andrew, Peter, Philip, and Nathaniel. And then if you're looking at the outline, you see I have a, a fifth uh, under E, and there's a blank, and I said, insert your name. Because what are we doing here? We're looking at the kind of people God loves to call. And so I would encourage you to put your name in there if you're filling out the outline. But I know, I know that some of you are thinking, no, you know what, I'm not the kind he can use. I'm not, no, really, I, I should not be on that list. Or you may be thinking, wait a minute, the people you've talked about, those are extraordinary people. Let me remind you what just the four, we could do this with all 12, but with just the four that we've looked at, there's two characteristics that they all have. One is they were pretty plain. They weren't real educated. Not drawn from aristocracy. They weren't 
particularly learned or wealthy. They were fishermen. They were not people of power, not even particularly skilled toward a call. So if you're feeling rather common in your abilities, you're just the kind of people God loves to use. But not only are they pretty plain, they were flawed people. Think about Peter. Let's go back to him. He's classic. Speak first, think later. He never knew when to quit talking, did he? And, you know, you, you either know somebody like that, or if you don't know anyone like that, then you are that person. Where, where you, you start making a statement and there, you, there's, there's three or four great places to stop, but you can't stop and you just keep going until it's like, oh, yeah, whoops. Well, that, that's Peter. We see him making a great confession that Jesus was the Christ. And then when Jesus begins to talk about his own death, Peter says, never, Lord. See, he should have had a full stop right back after he said, you're the Christ. And then Jesus has to rebuke him. Get behind me, Satan. You're a stumbling block to me. You don't have in mind the things of God, but of man. He was the first apostle to witness Jesus' resurrection, but right before that, he had denied Jesus more vehemently than anyone, but, but, but look at this. Jesus never quits on him. He doesn't give up on him. How many, how many times did he fail, Jesus? And even, you know, we're studying Galatians in the, in the uh, senior group. Even there we see that he, he messed up again in his ministry, but God continued to use him. The thing we need to see further is that ultimately Jesus does the calling. Verse 42, he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, you're Simon, son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. Verse 43, the next day Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, follow me. Verse 47, Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him. And then, then he called Nathanael. Jesus makes the call, and the call is always about Jesus. And the call is this, come follow me. What did that mean? Well, because it's Jesus that always initiates the call, it's not the idea of uh, 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 something that is necessarily going to make sense to us. In fact, these aren't people that a good uh, advisor would have told Jesus to pick in order in order to build his kingdom. 
These are ones that might have applied but would have been thrown out. And yet, when Jesus calls, it's about his desire to use us. And he calls for a, a radical following. Verse 37, they followed Jesus. He, he didn't say, uh, here's your call, I want you to understand this system, or here's your call, I want you to, to learn all this theology. That's important. But that wasn't the main thing he called for. What Jesus indicated was, here's your call, just follow me. And what that meant was, for them, it meant leaving the family business. Follow one that you can't possibly know for sure whether he's legit or not. It's following by faith. You know, in the past they had followed some, but they'd always gone back to the business of fishing. And their call also meant probably leaving family. People in that day ordinarily were, were born, grew up, worked, lived, and died all in the same place, typically. I hope you put your name in that blank and one E. But here's a question. What have you said when Jesus has said, come follow me? What have you said so far? What can happen if you get up and follow him? Let me tell you, give you an account of uh, a guy that was just a Sunday school teacher not particularly outstanding in any way. He, he heard a sermon about evangelizing, and, and he decided, I, I guess I need to do that. He, he, that wasn't his personality. There wasn't anything about it that fit for him. His name was Edward Kimball. So it was July 1st, 1885. And he went to the workplace of one of the guys who had attended his Sunday school class. That guy was a shoe salesman. He, he was so unsure of himself, Edward Kimball was, that, that he walked by the shoe store and didn't even really want to go in. Then he ended up circling back because he believed God wanted him to. He went into the, the shoe store and talked to this young man, this uh, shoe salesman, about Christ. And that shoe salesman came to Christ. His name was Dwight L. Moody. He became the, the greatest evangelist of that generation.
preach to thousands and thousands at a time. It's not the end of the story. Several years later, a pastor and well-known author named Frederick Meyer heard Moody preach. He was so deeply stirred that he embarked on his own evangelistic ministry. Once when Meyer was preaching, there was a college student named Wilbur Chapman received Christ. Chapman later employed a, a baseball player, professional baseball player, to help him pull off an evangelistic crusade. That ball player later became a, an incredible evangelist himself, Billy Sunday. In 1924, a, a group of businessmen invited Billy Sunday to hold an evangelistic crusade in Charlotte, resulted in many people coming to Christ. Some of those people that came to Christ prayed that God would do another work there in Charlotte, and so a few years later, they brought another evangelist in, in Mordecai Ham. He went there in 1934. Ham's crusade went well. It, there weren't a lot of converts, but one of the last nights under the big tent, one tall, lanky young man walked up the aisle and received Christ. This story hangs in, on the wall of the Billy Graham Library because that tall, lanky young man, of course, was Billy Graham. And we also know that there are people here who were influenced by Billy Graham, and we continue to partner with Franklin Graham in our global outreach. Look at what God has done through these many years but he began it all because of one timid but faithful Sunday school teacher. There may be a great evangelist sitting in this room today. I can tell you it's not me. Most of us are ordinary Christians. People like Edward Kimball. But God is big enough to accomplish his great purposes through ordinary people. Don't settle. Don't settle for what this world says is the good life. For what the world says you need to work for all of your life. Don't settle for that as your reward. When you really hear the voice of Jesus, you can't settle for the puny and the mundane drivel of this world. Only settle for following Jesus. Let's bow together.
God, you have shown us what a great God you are to advance your kingdom using usually ordinary, plain, and flawed people just like all of us in this room. And so, Lord, will you increase our faith? Will you enable us and empower us to follow you and not to look back and not to look around, but to focus upon you? And we pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen.